Well, today is week four. I can count. That's amazing. As high as four. Amazing. So, uh, it's week four of the Jesuit Jesus series. And today we're doing... Um, today we're going to be a Nigerian church because everything is double-double. Um, there's two Jesuit statements in the passage. So it made no sense trying to stop and cut the other one out because they're like two verses apart. So it'd just be like pointless. So today everything is double-double. Um, but before we get into the, the double-double um, Jesuit um, statement today, um, we're going to be starting from a passage in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 34. So, if you've got your Bible, you can flick to that. If not, don't worry. I'm going to read it anyway. Um, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth. With none to search or seek for them. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live declares the Lord God. Surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep therefore you shepherds need to hear this word from the Lord thus says the Lord God behold I am against the shepherds and I will put a stop to their feeding for their to their stop to their their feeding the sheep no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them and provide for them so in Ezekiel 34 um, when I was reading through this um, it impacted me on so many levels because actually this applies to a variety of situations it applies to them specifically because it's written to them it's it's prophesied and spoken to them it would have been applicable to the people the day uh, Ezekiel um, spoke it but um, it, the application of it becomes much more apparent further down the line. Um, but also, it can be apparent to us in our individual situations. You can find yourself with bosses who, don't, who, who see their role as to lord it over you and to gain more and more for themselves. You can see politicians doing the same. I read a statistic, this was an American one, but it's true in the UK as well to varying degrees that over 18 years there were a number of American politicians who voted only once for the minimum wage to go up. 
but in the 18 years voted for their wages to go up nine times. And it paints you a picture of people who are there to look after those around them and have a responsibility to take care of their welfare, but actually they just feed themselves. And actually, if we look at our politicians, it's no different. Um, I remember when austerity was the new buzzword that politicians couldn't stop talking about. And they talked about austerity, 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 cutbacks, cutbacks, cutbacks. And literally, like the example I just gave, they all voted for an increase in their wages. It must have been hard with all the austerity cuts they were making. It must have been all this extra paperwork they had to do that they definitely needed a pay rise while they made so many others across the nation suffer. They didn't have the common decency to, at the very least, say, let's keep our wages as it is. Where they should have been saying, it's austerity. Let's take a cut, lads. Let's take one for the team. But none of them did. They voted and their wages went up. So while most of the nation has really received and felt the kickback of the times and the peril we're living in financially, they were all getting a raise. And in this passage in Ezekiel, what God is saying is he's saying, I've seen what's happened. And we can compare it with the MPs because the way their society um, runs since the deliverance from Egypt is there was this law that was given, the instruction, and you had the priests who took care of the people. You had public services coming through the priesthood, also through the various other leaders and, and, and groupings they had, and all of them were based around a kind of religious system. And so when Ezekiel is saying this, is he's saying, you guys aren't doing what you were designed and set out to do, what the system was meant to do. You're not looking after the sheep, you're feeding yourselves. You're happy to be clothed off their backs. You're happy to have the food you have. You're happy to get really, really, he talks about in some places becoming like fat while you see them starving. You're happy to do all these kind of things and at their kind of cost. And so this passage here is listed about God and then he says, I will come, I will shepherd them because you guys are redundant. You're absolutely useless at this. So I will shepherd them. So then we find ourselves in John um, chapter 9, which is literally where we left off last week at the end of John chapter 8, where he said, before Abraham, just sweet. And um, they picked up rocks to, to kill him. The very next passage we see in John 9 is there's a kind of story going on. There's a man who's been born blind. Jesus um, connects with this guy um, and Jesus does something crazy. He spits in some mud. He mixes the spit with the mud. Um, he then tells this guy about going and washing. Um, and Jesus makes a statement, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So I need to do this right here, right now. The disciples have all sorts of questions when they see this man born blind. They say, what sin did he commit that he was in this condition? Jesus points out that actually sometimes the afflictions we go through have nothing to do with our own actions and aren't attached to us. But nonetheless, it's a great opportunity to see God do something amazing. So that's what Jesus makes clear and known to them. So he takes action. The man is healed. People start to ask, asking questions. When a guy is born blind and all of a sudden he's walking around going, hey, Joe, you're right. And he's looking directly in your eyes like, hey, Bob, want to play some croquet later? You know what I mean? People are like, what the flip? So people are going, is it the same guy? Then they're like, yes, it's the same guy. Then as they all freak out about it, they're like, well, how did this happen? Well, he starts talking about Jesus. Well, this causes all sorts of problems for him because the Pharisees, the shepherds, want to have a chat. 
So the shepherds of the nation call this man forward. They want to hear the story. He tells them exactly what happened. And because he tells them what's happened, he starts to have a bit of, um, they start to have a bit of beef with him. And the beef is about Jesus and what he does. You see, Jesus does this on the Sabbath day. What he does is he spits in some mud and he mixes it. Now, you weren't, one of the 39 different functions of job that you weren't allowed to do is you weren't allowed to knead dough on the Sabbath. So Jesus isn't kneading dough, but he's mixing clay with spit. So for these guys, these Pharisees, they're like, what? How dare he do this on the Sabbath day? So they're focused on this kind of agenda. So when they're asking the details, they're finding a way to get at Jesus. This guy is standing up for it. Obviously, he's received the most wonderful gift. Um, They're asking him all these details. They drag his parents in. And the parents are really scared because they know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is if they start backing this Jesus story, they're going to be outcasts. And if they're outcasts, they're not going to receive the support they're supposed to get from the shepherds within the context of their society. They're going to be alienated. They're going to be in need. They, if they ever need any help, their disabled benefits is going to go missing. Um, you know what I mean? They're going to make cuts. They're not going to receive the support they need from these shepherds. So they're worried. So what they say is, they say, hey, our son is of age. Why the heck are you asking us? Drag him in here. Like, you don't need to ask us. He's an adult. So the Pharisees are like, fair game. They drag the guy back in and they go, tell us again what happened. This guy is an absolute legend because he goes, sweet, you want to know more? Is it because you guys want to become disciples as well? And they, oh my gosh, yeah, they kind of freak out. They hit the roof because like, they definitely do not want to be disciples of Jesus. Um, and they want to just keep asking these sorts of questions and pressing against it. And it's this whole awkward scenario. Now, what happens is Jesus hears that as this conversation between the man and the religious leaders goes south, this man is then cast out. Exactly what his parents fear happened to him. As he answers all the questions honestly and truthfully, he gets alienated. He is now cast out. So Jesus finds him. Jesus goes to seek him, finds the dude, starts chatting to him, and the conversation he has is a really beautiful one. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And that is the end of this passage. Now this passage happens to take, this action and this story takes place in September because earlier on in chapter 9 it mentions the Feast of Tabernacles um, in the context of the story. So this takes place in September. The next passage we're going to read later on in the text and the conversations reveals it's the Feast of Dedication which means it's now more December time. But John has decided to join these two texts together so they flow into one another. Now the reason John does this is because he sees not a connection in the actions that take place, but a connection in the story and the message. So what we're looking at today is our feature for um, the Jesuit Jesus series is all about chapter 10. But without chapter 9, 
um, you really miss how brilliant what he is is saying because chapter 9 is the practical illustration and chapter 10 is the, is the visuals and the, the metaphors that he gives and he brings. So straight away it goes into Jesus saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So there's sheep involved in this. He's saying if you come in a different way, then you're either a thief or a robber. A thief is someone who uses trickery. A thief is someone who comes with words that will create illusion and, and lie and deceive you into certain things. We were chatting about at the beginning of today when we were just chilling out and talking about there's this new thing going around where people are talking about being woke and people are talking about Egypt and these ancient gods and they're saying these things just like in this passage where it talks about here like a thief they're saying deceptions that are there to trick and to deceive people um, now the second thing it lists is a robber now a robber is different a robber is someone who will come and not just be sneaky and crafty but a robber the way it alludes to in the in the language here is more of like someone who will be physical and who'll be violent against you so you've got two different types of people that Jesus is picking out he goes you need to identify them because one will be deceitful in their words and the other will be violent. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now the reason he says who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now for you and I, we think of shepherding, we think of the UK. We think of a big field and there's a gate. So it's like, well surely a thief or a robber can walk through a gate. You know what I mean? You read this illustration and you're like, that is stupid. But in their day, the way it would be is you would tend to have like a house with a big brick wall around it on the outside and your sheep would be within it. So to get to the field, unless you're jumping, trying to climb over a, a wall, you, if you come through the gate, you're coming through the door, the door of the house. You've got the key, it's your house, it's your crib. The thief comes over the wall. So for him, he's saying the owner of the sheep comes in through the gate. It's his. He owns the place. It's different from how we see um, farming with sheep. So who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep know his voice. The sheep know his voice. I love the illustration of sheep knowing his voice because it talks about them kind of leading them. The sheep have complete dependence upon the shepherd. The sheep recognize him. They don't recognize another. What Jesus is saying is like, his sheep, they hear what he's saying and they roll with it. So if we look at the last passage, the guy hears what's said, he rolls with it, he receives his healing, he puts his trust in Jesus, he worships him, but also he hears his voice, he trusts him over the other shepherds. So when the actual shepherds of Israel are challenging him, he's not there going, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I will denounce this man. He's going like, he's going, what the flip? He goes, I was blind, now I see. And, they got, and he's like, you guys should kind of come disciples too. He's on it now. Like he knows who his shepherd is. He knows his voice. He follows it. He rolls with it. He now defends it. He's now rolling deep with it. It's part of who he is. It's part of his identity. They hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. They know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus then said to them, I tell you the truth, I am the door of the sheep. Yes, we, the door of the sheep. 
he's the home, he's the resting place, he's the means for all of this. He's the very function that sustains it all and holds it all together. He is the only way in. Any other way is not true, it's not real, it's a lie, it's deceitful. I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he's tying in now to what we read before. Ezekiel 34. He's the good shepherd. Lays down his life for his sheep. He was a hired hand. He's taking the hashtag shots fired. He's pointing out at the Pharisees who are getting money off the, the, the state because the way that they tithed, it would go into that, it would take care of various different things. Um, who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep I am the good shepherd I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice, for there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, "Are not these the words of one? Uh, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind?" I love the response at the end here. It's a key bit why it lists the response of the people, because so often when we look at um, the reaction here, you have two extremes, and the two extremes are Jesus is demon possessed, trying to discredit him as they have in a previous passage we looked at the other week. But on the other hand, there are also those going, oh, come on now. This is not the words of a demon-possessed man. And he's, he's opening the eyes of the blind. Look at what he's actually doing. Now, here comes the question, because actually, the reason that's there, and you have these pole opinions, you don't have, it doesn't list anyone going like, meh, it doesn't have it in the Gospel of John. There is no one going, meh, whatever. I'm going to go watch Mass of the Day. It's just not there. It's not in there. You have these two polar opinions because what John's trying to say is, you guys, you've got to choose. This guy's a... Because there's no way you can look at this account and this story and this text and this way that Jesus is connecting with such an ancient tradition as in Ezekiel's prophecy, ushering in a new way of caring for the people, loving the people to their, to their betterment rather than in his own gain. He is out giving of himself. He's pointing out, I'm going to give of myself to the point where it's going to cost me my life. I will lay my life down for my sheep. He's connecting also with the passage in Ezekiel where Veron in 34, it talks about, it links him with David. And here he's pointing to David, a guy who, 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 who backed it. Like when the wolf came, when the bear came, when the lions came, he backed it. He didn't back down and go, it's just one of my sheep, stuff this, I'm going home, that won't mind if we lose one. No, he backed it to the end. He was ready 
to lay his life down. And Jesus is pointing out, I'm like David, I'm going to back it. When you face your situation, when you face your, your problem and your circumstance, you need to know that I was there to the death. I wasn't there part way. I wasn't there backing you in your struggle, in your pain, in your hurt, hurting. I wasn't there in your blindness when you couldn't see a way out, when you couldn't see a way through, where I was just missing, where I was left, where I was able. I didn't just look at you as a sheep in your situation when the wolves came and I went, nah, bruv, I'm not going to back this thing and then back off into the distance and just film it over my shoulder taking a selfie going, world star hip hop. That's not who Jesus is. He's a guy who stays and he fights and he lays his life down for his sheep. And when the nails are getting put in, he's saying, Father, forgive the people doing this to me. They don't even know what they're doing because he's the good shepherd. He's unique. He's different from every other shepherd there's ever been. He's greater than David. He laying down, he's laying down bars of forgiveness for those who are killing him at the very time. And this is who he is for me and for you because Jesri the door, he is the door that gives us a way to engage and to connect with God that we never had before. Jesri the good shepherd, he's gonna lay his life down for us and that's exactly what he did on the cross. He laid his life down freely for you and I and he says he takes it back up again and that he is the resurrection and he's the life and he gives us this newness of hope that you and I are not blind and alone in our situation but he is with us in it all. He is with us. He is for us. And how much more, the Bible says, can God give? He hasn't held back his own son. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever problem you're going through right now, he is the door. He's not coming to you with lies and deceits, offering you this this soothing question of everything's just going to be okay. Things will be tough, but he'll be with you for it. And he'll lay his life down that you know what victory feels like. It's totally different. It's totally upside down. And today the message that we have when we look at this passage is we do not follow a God, we do not follow a man, we do not follow a person who gets fat off of me and you, who takes for his gain. We follow and we worship a God who lays down everything he is for your gain. It's the complete opposite. There is nowhere you will go in this world where you will find someone to follow which will be for your gain. It won't be there. It's not there. Everyone has their agenda. You won't find a God you can worship in any religion that I've looked at. There may be some next one in some bush tribal thing in Africa I don't know about, but in all the religions I've heard, I have never heard of a religion where God came to give of himself and not take from those around him. But he gave, and he gave his life freely It's a unique standing point. He is the good shepherd. He isn't here to get fat off your backs. He isn't here to take away from you. He isn't here to get clothed off of you. He is here to give of himself. And actually he clothes us in his righteousness. And he gives of himself. And he lays down. He says as he breaks his last meal with them, he breaks the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. And then he pours the wine and says, this is my blood poured out for the covenant, for you and for many. It's a unique selling point. It's a USP that is nowhere else. I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for the the USP. We thank you that we get to come to you this morning exactly this way. That you have given everything of yourself for us. You hold nothing back. And you don't come to us trying to take anything from us. You ask us to surrender our lives to you. But ultimately, when you compare what we're surrendering to what you're giving us, there's no comparison. There is no ruler that can fit what you are giving us on it. Paul goes, Paul had such great revelation of your gift and he just says the unfathomable riches of Christ Jesus. He couldn't even work it out. The bit he worked out was so great he gave his life for it. And he did. He died for it. But beyond that, 
he couldn't even fathom the greatness of it. Father, we are in situations, all of us, that we face in challenges that take our, our, our focus. And like this man, Lord, we feel blind physically and spiritually sometimes when we look at these situations. But Father, we thank you that you are the door. You are the way through, that we can go in and go out, that you have brought salvation to us. Father, we thank you. You haven't come like a thief with words to deceive us into something to make it feel better, but you give us words of truth and words of life. Father, we thank you. You're not a robber coming to take from us, but that you give your life for your sheep. May we receive by your spirit that fresh wind of life this week, that we would know you and your peace and that we would come next week and we would have stories of the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our situations. In Jesus' name, amen.